Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here today. A fine day to take your dog for a walk. We've got a a whopper today, you guys. A whopper. I've got Kim Cavan back on with me today. She's the author of a book called The Dog Merchants, which I talked with her about when it came out and have run a few times since our initial interview because I believe it to be one of the most important books written about dogs that I've ever read encountered and I've encountered a lot of books written about dogs so we're going to talk to her in just a minute before I want to let my KKNW listeners know that uh, April will be my last month on um, KKNW which is bitter bitter sweet for me it's been over nine years of coming to the station every week and I'm gonna miss Eric so much Eric we're gonna have to hang out (laughs) yes I'm gonna miss you as well and of course the show yeah Uh, so We are shifting gears to focus entirely on online, so we are Mm -hmm. probably going to take a quick break because we're also expanding to video. Um, But if you're subscribed to us on iTunes, if you notice that there's a bit of gap in the weekly uploads, don't go anywhere. We'll be back. Um, And then we also are actually adding video to our audio selection. So just wanted to give uh, KKNW listeners, though, a heads up on that. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook. That's going to be probably the best way to keep up with what we're doing and all the new stuff that we've got coming out. Just search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Facebook. And then, of course, our website, dogradioshow.com. Kim. Kim Cavan. It's great to be back on your show. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's really an honor to have you here. I I said, uh, you know, in, in the initial interview, and I really encourage you to read the book. It's called The Dog Merchants. So that, that will really help you put all this together because there's a lot going on here. Well, and I'll tell you what we're going to talk about today, this big Washington Post story that was on the front page Sunday. It's because of the dog merchant yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. The guy from inside the industry, the whistleblower insider, whatever you want to call him, mm-hmm. he read that book. Yeah. And he said, let's help reveal some more of the truth. And for the past 18 months or so, I've just been receiving documents and information and all kinds of goodies that people can read about in the Washington Post right now. Yeah, it's really it's really important. This is important stuff to to bring out of the shadow because uh, because of dogs, because of welfare. And one of the things, one of the most important things about your book is the balanced the balanced view between breeders and rescues in a in a highly emotional topic like animal welfare our baby dogs who we love as part of our family, the reality is that we have to, if we want to understand how to protect them and how to provide the best experience for them for our dogs who are breeding dogs to be sold is that they are a product in a market and that we have to look at the flow of money to really understand how to control for the welfare of the animals, which is what brings us to this story of, oh gosh, okay, so let's just start. Yeah, the, let's the just, money flows yeah. apparently through dog auctions, millions of it, millions right. of dollars of it is what this story is about. Okay, so will you just tell us real quick, okay, so there are there are dog auctions, so I think pretty much everybody's heard of like puppy mill, right? And that's, yeah. and that's oh. bad, you know, puppy mills are bad, no puppy mills, 
blah, like most people I think have heard of that, but I don't think a lot of people understand what dog auctions are. Yeah, and what what we're finding, what we're hearing is what we've managed to do with this post story is to take people into this world that they don't even know exists, where mm-hmm. no cameras are allowed. Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about in this story is the business model of rescuers who are going into dog auctions to buy the dogs from the breeders who are selling them there. And the, and the majority of those breeders are commercial breeders, what activists would call puppy mills. So what, what you have is, what, what we identified in our reporting was uh, 68 bidders, uh, uh, bidders affiliated with six, 86, I'm getting it all wrong, I'm so nervous to talk to you again. It's bidders affiliated with 86 nonprofit rescue groups, shelters, dog advocacy groups all over the country, bidders affiliated with those 86 groups have spent $2.68 million inside these auctions buying close to 6,000 dogs is what this story is about. And this is the this is what you have documented, so it could very well actually be more than we that. We published what we, again, as you said, what we feel is strongly documented. Yep. Um, that is what you're going to read about in the Washington Post. Okay. So there's, this is a lot going on. This is not just here and there. This is no, actually... No, I mean, the auctions themselves, uh, let's talk a little bit about what they are and where they are and, mm-hmm. and what the reporting showed. The auctions themselves are in Missouri. There's two remaining auctions in America that are regulated by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. They're also regulated by the state of Missouri Department of Agriculture. Within those two dog auctions, that's where the bidders tied to these 86 groups are doing the business. But when the dogs come out of the auctions after they've bought them, the dogs are going and being offered for adoption all across the United States and into Canada. So it's a nationwide story that the people listening to your show, they may see a dog marketed for adoption, may have possibly come through this system in the dog auctions where the dog was actually purchased from a breeder. Mm-hmm. And so some people might say, well, and this is how this, I think, started, you know, around 10 years ago, where some rescue groups were going into these auctions and and um, purchasing generally for a very low amount of money, the dogs who were uh, in less demand, they were, you know, too old to breed or had an underbite or had an injured eye or something like that. So they were sort of, um, uh, one, one person was quoted as saying, sort of picking up the crumbs of the industry and, and yeah, getting these dogs out. and it actually out. goes back longer than 10 years. Mm. What our reporting for this story in the Washington Post showed is it goes back 30 years. Wow. Um, the, the biggest USDA-regulated dog auction in the country right now. It opened in 1988. That's 30 years ago. And what we heard from the owner of that auction, as well as its smaller competitor, which is a little bit uh, not quite as old, but mm-hmm. they both said that almost from the day they opened their doors, they had rescuers inside. Mm-hmm. And it's like you said, it was people coming in, uh, picking up the crumbs, as one rescuer put it in the story. And they could get these dogs for a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars. They could clear a table of dogs sometimes for five bucks mm-hmm. off of the, the cause nobody wanted them. They were the leftovers. Maybe they were sick. Maybe they were old mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the breeders were trying to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. What's happened now 
in the past three to five years is something very, very different, where they're seeing the rescuers come into these auctions and sometimes spend thousands of dollars per dog that the breeders are selling. We tell the, the story of one breeder in the article who was paid $10,000 per dog by a rescuer who had attended the auction. So what we're talking about happening today is different from what was going on 20 years ago. And that's what the article in the Washington Post is about. Something has changed. Yeah. And how does a how does somebody end up paying $10,000 for a dog at an, a rescue? Quote, unquote, not regulated term, rescue. How, well, do they, how do they pay? How does that end up? I mean, in that case, I know, I think it was French Bulldogs. This $10,000 was the Cavalier. Cavalier. All right, all right. Um, what happened was, at that particular auction, it was held in late 2014, there was a lot of King Charles Spaniels that were going up for bid. And so the people who love Cavalier King Charles Spaniels did a lot of online fundraising. And in just two fundraising uh, accounts or campaigns, whatever you'd call them, on sites like GoFundMeYouCaring.com, places like this, yeah. just two of those, they managed to raise close to $350,000 to walk into this auction and try to outbid the breeders for these dogs. And one of the breeders who was sitting in the audience that day, we talk about him in the story, he's a breeder from Iowa named Will Yoder. He won the bids on two of the dogs. He got one for 3600 and he got the other for 3950 So a little over seven grand total was what he paid for the two dogs. But the rescuers didn't want to let him go to a breeder. They didn't want the dogs going home. So outside the auction, they tried to make a post-auction deal. Mm -hmm. And Will Yoder, in his brain, the way he explained it to us, he's, he's heading home to Iowa. He's got his two new Cavaliers in the back seat. And he said, you know, they really wanted those dogs. Money clearly is not an issue. They can just raise more money. So he called the auction owner from his car on his way home by cell phone. And he said, you know what? I'll take 10 grand a piece if the rescuer still wants them. And, and the, what he said to us was he didn't think they would actually pay it. Mm -hmm. It's not their money, though, so money wasn't an issue. He said he'd never sold a dog for ten grand, so he just wanted to give it a whirl. Within minutes, the deal was done. And according to the documents we have, the rescuer paid $24,200 to buy the two Cavaliers that he had paid, including the auction fees, a total of about 8300 And the rest went into his pocket and the auctioneer's pocket. And so would the would the rescue's argument then be like, well, but we're saving those dogs from being breeding dogs with this uh, with this guy who was quoted in the article who's a breeder? That's exactly what the rescue would say, that we are buying the dog's freedom at any price from the commercial breeding industry. Mm -hmm. So they're actually... Um, working against the smaller breeders and funding the larger commercial breeders who are actually supplying the auction? Well, what our reporting showed is that there are now breeders breeding more puppies specifically to sell to rescuers at auctions, that the breeders have figured out which rescuers from which groups want which breeds, which ones are willing to spend the most money to get them inside the auctions. And we had breeders and rescuers alike telling us that, yes, this is going on that they're breeding specifically for this now. You know, I, I asked the question of um, both of the auction owners, too, and the owner of Southwest Auction, which is the biggest one in the country, 
he explained it to me as he, he looked at the French Bulldog, which are a very popular breed in America right now. And the way he looks at the money, he said, if you're thinking about an eight-week-old French Bulldog puppy, if the breeder's going to sell it to a pet store distributor, to somebody who's going to take that puppy and stick it in a store window, according to the owner of the auction, that pet store, that, that pet store distributor is going to pay about 1200 bucks for that French Bulldog puppy. At the auction, an eight-week-old puppy that's a French Bulldog would be 1500 to 2000 So if you're the breeder and you can get an extra 300 to $800 selling the puppy at the auction, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So I have a question about this whole breeder-auction relationship. <clears throat> because it's like, it's the whole thing, and this is why I loved your book so much, one of the many reasons is that it's like there's two sides, which always works out well, right? Two sides, that's sarcasm. Breeders, rescuers. And what do we hear? And I, oh, I, I kind of cringe before this article. Every, you know, this whole adopt, don't shop uh, campaign, right? And it's like, well, but, you know, not all breeders are bad. But let me, let me ask you a question about breeders and auctions. So if we've got this guy who, um, was his name Bill? As an will. Ex- will, will as an example, so he goes. He's a breeder. He he purchases two Cavalier King Charles Spaniels, and these and this rescue that was coming in with a huge pocket of money from donations wanted to save those dogs from being his breeding dogs and adopt them out. Paid him a lot of money for them. Now. Is it correct to say that there's, so there's these dog auctions and there are breeders who supply puppies or who, who sell puppies through dog auctions. And then there are breeders who buy puppies from dog auctions. So there's breeders buying dogs from other breeders, essentially. Yeah, that's why the auctions were founded. They were created as a place where the breeders can see all the available dogs at any given time. You know, back in the day, if you think maybe like the 1950s or 60s before the Internet and, and, mm-hmm. and everything we have today, mm-hmm. let's say a breeder had, whatever, a dozen Yorkshire Terriers to sell. Well, they'd have to kind of talk through the grapevine and figure out who wants the dogs and who wants to buy the dogs. And while they're out looking for somebody to buy the dogs, maybe they run into a breeder who's got three or four beagles that he's looking to sell. And on and on and on down the daisy chain. The auctions were founded as a place that was regulated and open to the public where everybody who had dogs to sell could bring them, and all the breeders could see them at the same time. That was the entire theory behind their creation, and it's what the owners of both auctions say is their primary business today. Although, I will say the owner of the bigger auction, Southwest, he said rescue now makes up 30 to 40% of his income. So yeah. the majority business that breeders are doing there, the rescuers are really starting to cut into it. Is it accurate to, to generalize that the breeders who sell dogs through auctions are larger, um, larger operations than breeders who buy dogs at auctions? No, I wouldn't say that. I I think it's fair to say that the majority of breeders who sell dogs at auctions are commercially registered kennels. They're operating commercially registered kennels. But as I'm sure you know, you can have less than six dogs and be a 
commercially registered kennel if they're all breeding age female dogs. Um, commercially right. regulated kennels, they range in size from, you know, a half a dozen dogs to 600 dogs. There's a very, very wide range. So right. to try to characterize every single breeder in that auction house a certain way, I think is, is a mistake. Right. Um, what, what I can say, you know, if your listeners want to check it out, we did go to a commercial kennel, uh, a place whose owner sold a couple puppies at auction that we had on one of the documents that we received, and we sent a video crew out there. Um, to show people what it looked like at that commercial kennel, uh, which turned out to not look very much like what you think of when you hear the term puppy mill. Not to say there aren't, you know, substandard kennels out there with Mm -hmm. problems and and whatnot, but the one that we were able to document where the rescuer was online saying we saved them from a life of torture and rabbit hutches and this, that, and the other thing, that is not what our video team found when they went out to this particular commercial facility. Mm Mm-hmm. So the thought is, so the the basic structure of, of the basic source in this large commercial, commercially registered kennels, um, some you know some are better than others. That's that's kind of remained somewhat consistent. Uh, recently, relatively recently, I guess over the last ten years or so, um, and even even more recently, now there's more and more 250 municipalities that have. Pet store bans, not allowed to sell puppies at pet stores anymore because it's cruel for the breeding stock in some of these substandard places who really live a life in prison. But now rescues are purchasing the offspring from these same breeding dogs which is the whole reason why the pet store bans happened in the first place, but now it's under the got well, it's under the label of puppy mill rescue, when it's just a the money is flowing differently now. Instead of flowing through pet stores, it's now flowing through rescues, and you have all the families out there in America, not all of them, who are who maybe would have thirty years ago gone to a pet store in the mall for a puppy are now, because of the marketing of adopt, don't shop, adopt, don't shop, I rescue, 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 saved this dog, are going through rescues, many of whom are purchasing actually from the same place that a pet store would have. We actually tell the story of one in the article, um, and we, we focused on the state of California because it recently became the first state to enact a statewide version of the bans that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And just as you said, in the media... This legislation is always promoted as a puppy mill ban. This will stop the puppy mills. This will choke off the money to the supply chain of the puppy mills if we enact these laws and make the pet stores only get dogs from the rescuers. When we saw in our reporting a rescuer from Los Angeles, which had one of these bans in place since 2012, uh, she had purchased dogs from the auction in 2017 from a breeder, among the breeders she bought from that day was one on the ASPCA's No Pet Store Puppies warning list. Mm -hmm. And not only did the rescuer buy those dogs and then work with another Los Angeles area rescue to bring them in and offer them for adoption, but according to the breeder who we got hold of, who got the money, the rescuer actually paid him more at auction than he could have made selling the same dog through the original pet store distribution chain. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the documents we got hold of showed that she paid $1,750 for a 19-month-old English bulldog that he was selling. He was selling it because the dog was too old for pet store buyers. They all want puppies, right? Mm-hmm. And the dog also had some allergies. So he didn't want to breed her and pass those allergies on through the bloodline. He, he didn't think that she was a good dog to breed. Now, on the open market, a dog like that's not going to go for very much. You know, maybe some consumer will adopt the dog for whatever, but breeders aren't going to buy that dog because, again, there's problems and the pet store chain won't do it. But this guy gets $1,750 out of the rescuer, which he said he was absolutely surprised and pleased that he'd gotten so much money and he started to talk to some friends. And now one of his friends is thinking about just saving her puppies until they're about a year old. Take them to the auction. The way he put it, the rescue people will pay more than the pet store brokers. Right. <clears throat> Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to wrap your brain around. Okay. So, <clears throat> so, okay. So this is, we could look at this sort of as like misguided, these, you know, rescues getting carried away with the emotional, um, and there's so much of it. I mean, we are so vulnerable as humans, clearly, to animal rescue or rescue, and it's a easy way, relatively easy way to get donations because, you know, you're a dog lover, and then it's, you know, puppy mill rescue. It is, you know, quote-unquote, it is this one of the biggest... Uh, challenging aspects of this, you know, life with dogs that we have and figuring out the welfare issue and all that. And so these rescuers are able to raise a lot of money for this. So if what if it was, you know, just like, well, you guys like, gosh, let's take a step back and and look at actually those, you know, paved with good intentions sort of thing. Um, But it seems like it's not just like, oh, this really didn't, this kind of went sideways and this, well, hang on, hang on, let's look at this. You guys don't bid against each other, for example, if you're a rescue group, blah, 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 blah. It actually seems like there's some intentional misleading of puppy mill rescue as an opportunity to raise a lot of money easily and then turn around and, and basically profit from it. So it's, it's you know, lying. It's saying, oh, well, we're rescuing these dogs, but then they're going and actually bidding against each other and paying breeders way more than they would have gotten from a, a pet store kind of thing. So it, it seems like there's some rescues who are still wanting to save dogs and, and have at least their hearts in the right places. And then there's other situations where there's sort of all this behind-the-scenes stuff going on where it's like you kind of know what you're doing and you're taking advantage of this opportunity, basically, to make money. Well, I'd say a couple of things to that. Um, one thing I'd say uh, that you mentioned, I want to be really clear. What, what we focused on in our story is where the money is going. Mm-hmm. We were focusing on, hey, the breeders are getting the money that's being donated to rescue. We didn't accuse any rescuers of making a profit or anything of that nature. Um, our focus was on whose pockets are getting lined at the end of the day. Got it. what we were looking at in this story. Um, and then in terms of whether the, the people doing the buying are disclosing to their donors what's going on, what our reporting showed was kind of a mixed bag mm-hmm. where you'd have 
some, uh, you know, we're talking about 86 groups overall, right? So we, for instance, went and looked at their web pages. We tried to look on Facebook. We tried to look, you know, everywhere we could think of that they might be talking about this kind of activity since the insider documents showed us that it was going on. About 50 of the 86 groups that we were able to tie to the auctions, they didn't mention auctions at all, ever. We couldn't find the word auction anywhere. About 20 of the 86 groups, they did talk about the auctions, but what they described to their donors was puppy mill rescue or auction rescue. It was the language of rescue. Right. And when we dug a little deeper through the comments and whatnot, what we found was sometimes people understood what that meant, that their money was going to be used to buy the dogs from breeders at auction. And sometimes the donors were confused um, because, again, we're talking about the language of rescue. Mm-hmm. We only were able to find out of the 86 groups that we tied to this, we were only able to find about 10 that actually used words like bought or purchased at auction. Mm-hmm. And out of all of them, um, I think there was maybe one case where we saw online how much was paid per dog. Usually that information was kept on the QT altogether. Mm -hmm. So, okay, before we get into my next, my next question for you, why don't we um, take, take a breath and take a, a quick break. And I'm talking with Kim Cavan, who is the author of The Dog Merchants which is an excellent book. Definitely, if you want to get informed about this and really understand what all is going on, read that book. And also check out the article, if you haven't seen it, that was published um, through the Washington Post. Kim, what was the um, date of that, or what's the best way for people to find that? Just search for what? The headline on the story is Dog Fight. And right now, the follow-up story is on the homepage of the Washington Post, if they're listening to us. Okay, great. Um, <clears throat> fabulous. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with Kim Cavan. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. How much is that dog in the window? The one with the waggly tail. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that doggy's for sale. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Never found that song to sound as creepy as I do right now. Perfect fit. Thank you, Eric. Uh, Okay, we're back with Kim Cavan who is the author of The Dog Merchants, and uh, which is the sort of catalyst for this Washington Post story that was recently, uh, recently came out and is there's actually a follow-up piece right now on the Washington Post website. It's on the homepage. You can go to WashingtonPost.com to find that. The original article was called Dog Fight, if you want to find out. And it's not about dog fighting. It's actually about rescues, buying, uh, so quote-unquote puppy mill rescues, purchasing dogs at auction for high prices, paying more than breeders would pay in a lot of cases to quote-unquote save these dogs when they're actually continuing to fund 
some of these breeders that are the welfare issue and in some cases now there's welfare issues in rescue as well which is why we should not fundamentally point the finger at one or the other i've found that this adopt don't shop mentality is is one pointing in one direction and it leaves out a whole lot of really awesome breeders that do a really great job to um you know their breed enthusiasts the dogs are all all live great lives they're careful about where the puppies go they're preserving the breeds that we've worked so hard as humans to create and they're doing it in a way that's respectful to the life of the animal including the dogs that they keep as breeding dogs and then when they're done breeding they find them lovely homes just like they do their puppies they are not the enemy and adopt don't shop is too overgeneralized for this and it's Everybody's saying it now. And, and I, when I, you know, I work with training and behavior and I can't tell you, Kim, how many times you can see it in the consciousness, like you hear it. It's like people telling me, and this was, you know, this has been going on forever. Oh, well, I've been doing this for over 15 years with uh, dog training and behavior. Oh, I don't feed my dog people food. I don't feed my dog people food. And I'm like, well, why do you think that's good? Because dog food's so delicious and healthy and like uses t- top quality ingredients. So it's it's kind of like, well, you're conditioned to say that. And now this rescue thing, got a rescue. The dog's a rescue. Adopted the dog. It's a rescue. And people are make a point to communicate that when it's a rescue. And I hear it. And so it's like this huge marketing wave and this puppy mill ban retail pet store ban is actually contributing now to this rescues now purchasing dogs directly from the same breeders that kind of initiated the pet store ban in the first place. Well, in in terms of your your big picture point of things are not always as they seem anywhere in life, really, not Mm -hmm. just in the dog world, but... We had some breaking news uh, late yesterday. This is what's on the homepage of the Washington Post right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had my story. It, it came out online in the middle of last week, and it was on the front page of the print edition of the Washington Post on Sunday, uh, a couple days ago Sunday. Um, and as of late yesterday afternoon, the U.S. Department of Agriculture issued a bulletin stating that uh, people who are not just people, individuals and possibly nonprofit organizations that are acquiring dogs from auctions, they may need to be licensed under the Federal Animal Welfare Act. They, they may be acting uh, in ways that are not in accordance with the Federal Animal Welfare Act. So to your broader point, it looks like the U.S. Department of Agriculture, on the heels of this article, is going to start taking a look at some of the groups doing business in the ways that we profiled and some of the individuals doing business in these auctions the way that we profiled. And and theoretically, you know, that helps to uh, weed out anybody who's doing business in ways that are violating the Federal Animal Welfare Act. Right. Okay, so <clears throat> basically talking about who is the, the shift of who is purchasing dogs at dog auctions used to be pet store brokers now it's more so rather than pet store brokers because the pet store industry has been pared back because of these retail pet sale bans um and now 
rescue, some rescue to a large degree are coming in and purchasing dogs at these auctions um, and now even paying more. Um, will you just tell us again what the dog auction is? Because that's not something Yeah, I, I'd actually say it, it, it's mostly breeders as opposed to brokers who are buying dogs at these auctions, buying from other breeders and whatnot. Um, the, the auctions are a place where breeders come together to see all the dogs that are available for sale from other breeders. So that was, was why they were formed. That is why they happened. Where we're at today, though, according to the owner of America's biggest legal dog auction, what, what he says is that about 85% of the dogs that get auctioned in the United States of America, they get auctioned in his building. He's the big kahuna. Mm-hmm. Out of those dogs, he says rescuers are now buying 30 to 40% of them. So we're no longer talking about a handful of people going in and spending five or $10,000 or $10 per dog. What we're talking about now are people going in and making up 30 to 40% of the business and calling it puppy mill rescue. Mm-hmm. And purchasing the dogs. And purchasing the dogs, sometimes for thousands of dollars. And not saying, in a lot of cases, that that's what they're doing. I mean, I think Again, of- what, what our reporting showed is that there's a, a range of descriptions going on. We tied this auction activity to 86 different rescue groups, dog advocacy groups and shelters all across the country and up into Canada. We only could find about 10 of them that used words like bought or purchased online. When they were describing what they were doing at these auctions, only about 10 of 86 used those types of words. What we found on about 20 of the 86 groups was that they were describing what they were doing as puppy mill rescue or auction rescue, Mm -hmm. which sometimes their followers seem to understand exactly what was happening with the money, and sometimes they didn't seem to understand what was happening with the money. But, But the majority, 50 of the 86 groups, that we were able to tie to this, we couldn't find any mention of auctions and what was going on mm-hmm. with the money at all when we looked them up online. So just an average person going to their website and trying to decide whether to donate, we couldn't find any mention that the money might be going to this place. Okay. Is Are there any generalizations that you can make about breeders who sell dogs at auctions versus breeders who purchase dogs at auctions? Well, I would say to let them speak for themselves. I mean, again, I mentioned in the first half of the show, we actually sent a video team out to the kennel of of a commercial breeder who has sold dogs at auction, and we let her speak for herself. And she talks about how proud she is of what she does and how she feels she does it well and how she understands that rescuers who are trying to save dogs from people like her must believe that what they're doing is right, too, but she says her dogs don't need saving, and she invited the cameras in mm-hmm. uh, to take a look around so that people can judge for themselves and make a decision. And I, and I would urge people to take a look at that. Um, when we've seen videos online from some of these rescuers, you know, one of them we talk about in the story where she's, she's crying on Facebook and talking about every single dog being tortured and, you know, thrown in rabbit hutches and whatnot and, and never their feet are never touching the grass, that particular rescue bought a couple puppies that came from the commercial kennel that we went out and found because we wanted to see if it was true. 
and you're going to see dogs running and playing in grass. This particular commercial kennel actually has a field that's a regulation-sized baseball field where some of these dogs are running and playing mm-hmm. every day. So can I generalize? No, I can't. I think there's a range of conditions in kennels. I think some of the dogs coming out of them, based on our reporting, have some, some medical issues, some psychological issues, no question about that. But also based on our reporting, we had rescuers telling us they got great dogs from these auctions and that they had made friends over the years with the breeders there. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a mixed bag based on what the reporting showed. And we talked to more than 60 people for this article. This wasn't two or three sources for this story. This is months worth of investigation. Yeah. So where is the animal welfare issue? If we're going to we're talking about the flow of money and the behavior of people. Where are the dogs who do need to be rescued? Well, it seems to me... <laughs> Tell us. It goes a little beyond the scope of our story, but, you know, we, we, we have shelters all across the United States with, with homeless dogs that need help, and, and I think that in some cases we're talking about rescuers going into these auctions who are buying dogs that are coming from or, or possibly heading to places that are not the type of places most people would want dogs to be. But to Mm -hmm. to just generalize and say it's all one or the other and one is good or bad, our reporting just showed that that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And so it remains, too, that there are some breeders, and they can be any size, they don't have to be huge, who are keeping dogs in horrid conditions. Well, I think that characterizing it that way is tough. I, I would say... Standards that are not in keeping with the Animal Welfare Act. Um, you know, there was that big uproar uh, when, right after the Trump administration took over, all of a sudden the kennel inspection reports were taken down off the Internet, and anybody who tries to file an open request record to get one now, they get a blacked-out piece of paper that comes back. So it's a little, it, it's hard to see right now what's going on in the commercial breeding kennels because what used to be a transparent situation with those, federal documents and those inspection reports from the federal inspectors, that has now been taken away. And I know that groups, including the Humane Society of the United States, uh, I believe it was just last month, they sued the USDA and said, you can't, you can't hide this stuff. You have to put this stuff back out into the public under open record mm-hmm. laws. Mm-hmm. So what's actually going on? Right now, all the information is blacked out about the breeding kennels that are commercially registered. But we know, and, and this also, as you're talking, I'm thinking... Okay, so where this all of this, the money is coming from donations for like largely, largely from private donations of, you know, where Puppy Mill Rescue put up a GoFundMe or whatever. Puppy Mill Rescue send money. Is because there is a belief that there is an animal welfare issue in this country in this case, in this direction, and we're talking about looking at how dogs are bred and kept, which is true to a degree. There is There are some breeders that don't keep dogs in great conditions, and I actually was just reminded of a story here locally of a rescue that didn't, you know, that was really busted for animal welfare. So it actually seems like the animal welfare issue is that some people keep dogs in horrible conditions and... They, you know, dogs can't, dogs don't have a voice and they can't help themselves and it's up to us to get them out. And what's happening is that we're, we're not, we haven't figured out how to really effectively target those individuals, whether it's a rescue or a breeder. 
Yeah, you know, you see those news stories all the time. They, the, when it's a breeder who gets busted, it tends to make the news with a puppy mill headline with a rescue group or a shelter or a sanctuary that gets busted. You don't tend to see as widespread coverage right now. Mm-hmm. But as you said, it happens fairly regularly. And it was one of the reasons, um, you know, I was so happy to see the USDA's announcement yesterday when they put out that bulletin, uh, you know, saying, hey, rescuers, if you're doing business in these kinds of arenas, that's, we're going to be taking a look and you may need to be licensed and regulated to see what's going on with the actual treatment of the dogs and the care of the dogs. That's what the Animal Welfare Act is for. So I was very excited about that announcement that came out yesterday in the wake of our investigation being published because mm-hmm. it, it tells me that people are now going to shine a light and take a look. Mm-hmm. And that, that only can result in good things for the dogs. Yeah. Is there any um, <clears throat> any advice that you can give the consumer about where you get a dog, where you, who you donate to, you know, if, if the, if we look at the, the outer layer, the, the source, if we're looking at donations, we're looking at people who donate money to the rescue groups, who some of them go to auctions, who purchase dogs from the breed. I mean, so there's these like layers, I think of like the earth, like all the layers of the earth. And there's this like core and then you have the outer layer who are like the people who are donating to GoFundMe. So if we're going to talk to those people, what can what what do people do? Because you just used to think, well, oh, adopt, don't shop. Easy. If I can say that I'm adopting or rescuing, then I'm good. Well, well, can't do that anymore. So um, what do you do? I think that step one is you understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And what what our reporting showed on this particular story is that most people don't even know dog auctions exist Mm -hmm. and there's you're not going to see them in the media there's no cameras allowed in these auctions even though they are open to the public there's no cameras so i think half the battle is just getting a story like this published to be honest that Mm -hmm. consumers can read it and say okay it never occurred to me to ask if my rescue dog had been purchased from a breeder just being able to say that sentence to, to the rescue group, did you buy this dog from a breeder or did you buy this dog at auction? I don't think that's a sentence that most consumers have ever even conceived of saying. I mean, would you, wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yeah. So I, I think that for the consumers who are listening here, the first thing that, that I would say, it, where did the dog come from? You're telling me this dog was rescued from a puppy mill? Great. How? Tell me how. Where did the dog come from? And I think what our story shows is some of the the various ways that the dogs can come through the system and end up being marketed that way. So consumers can read it and hopefully be able to spot things. And maybe if they get a funny feeling or whatever, they might have a little bit better sense of which avenues to go down with their questions at that point. Mm -hmm. And then I think of, too, like, okay, well, what do I do? Read the dog merchants if you haven't, because that's going to, you know, information, knowledge is power. And we've got to know about we've got to know about this in a way that's balanced and factual and looks at the world of it so that you understand all the moving parts so that when you're in that consumer position, like you said, Kim, you know what questions to ask. You know that these things even exist. Well, and the part about getting the facts out, I'll tell you, you sound just like the industry insider who sent me all this evidence and all these documents. Mm. Uh the insider read the first chapter of that book, which describes rescuers in dog auctions 
sitting side by side with breeders and talking about why they're doing what they're doing and, and why they think it's so important. And, and what the insider said was, well, that's only part of the story. Let's show America the truth of how much money they're actually spending. Mm-hmm. So the industry insider, I think, agrees with what you were just saying, which is let's get the facts out there so consumers and regulators and whoever else is paying attention can understand the scope of what's going on and understand the facts of what's going on and understand the actual dollars and cents of what's going on. Because, at, at, you know, the owner of the smaller dog auction, um, which is called Heartland Sales, it's also out in Missouri, what he said to us is, you know, at the end of the day, if you really want to get into it and talk about where all this money's coming from, it's coming from America. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, if people didn't donate, there wouldn't be any money for any of this activity. You know, the, the way he put it was, he said the rescuers go online and they say, please send us $25,000 to save the dogs from these awful puppy mill auctions and breeders. People give the money. So... It's on the consumer. It's on the donor. And maybe some people want to give that money, and they think that it's, it's a good thing. That's what the story is about. This is a controversial practice. And some people do give money for right. rescuers to go into these auctions and buy these dogs, and they're quite proud of it. Um, other people maybe don't realize what's going on or, or think that it's, you're just enabling the very industry that you're trying to shut down. That was the take of everybody from PETA to the Best Friends Animal Society. After this story ran, they came out and said, you're just like firemen who are setting the fire. Right. So it's a very controversial thing, and I think that consumers just understanding, hey, maybe ask the question, where's my money actually going? Where did this dog actually come from? How did you actually get this dog? I think that right there is a giant step in the right direction. Well, and you say, it says in the article that now some breeders are even breeding breeds that are that they know the rescues are actually going to purchase at auction, like breed-specific rescues. You know, one of the more interesting things to me was talking with the owner of the smaller auction. He talked to me specifically about the designer crossbreed puppies, mm-hmm. the Cavachons, the Maltipoos, the uh, Puggles, you know, all these invented designer breeds. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually holds them, he said. He doesn't do them in alphabetical order. He holds them until the end of his auctions. And by the end of his auctions, most of the breeders have gone home for the day. Their dogs have sold and they're gone. What he says is he holds them till the end because it's the rescuers who will wait around to try to outbid each other and buy them. Uh, he said they will get in competition over it. Uh, he said as, when the when the crossbreeds are being sold it's the rescuers trying to outbid each other to get them because the consumers at the end of the line want those puppies they want those crossbreed mutt looking puppies and the way he put it to me was that he believes the rescuers buying those puppies up at his auctions are just using them as a cash cow Mm -hmm. what has been the response to this well it's it's gone like wildfire. I, I give a lot of credit to the Washington Post. You know, they've done news alerts and, and put it out pretty uh, widely. Uh, you know, you get on the Sunday front page of the Washington Post, people typically tend to take notice. Yeah. I think if you troll around the Internet a little bit, you're going to find a wide range of comments, including some people who think that I should personally be spayed or ne- euthanized. They were trying to talk about how to euthanize. Mm, well, that's nice. That's always charming. You know, I, I'm a big believer in if they're attacking the messenger, it's because you've got them on the facts. 
Exactly. And the comments that I see, you know, you can kind of tell if you if you read about dogs, and I know you read a lot about dogs, you can see which people are coming with an agenda. Maybe they're a supporter of a certain rescue group that got named in the article, or maybe they're with a breeders organization, and you can you can kind of see if they're launching talking points into the comments sections, mm-hmm. but... When I'm looking at what I what I take to be comments from just average Americans, just people reading the story and doing what we're doing here today, trying to understand what's going on, the number one comment I'm seeing is, thank you so much for bringing this to light. Mm. What a great piece of journalism. Thank you so much. I had no idea this even existed. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to know what to do. And I think that's wonderful. I, I take a lot of pride in that. I think it's a great outcome for a lot of people who read the story. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely echo that sentiment, and I was... Grateful for the dog merchants in the first place, and then now, now that was a catalyst for this. And you know, the layers just keep peeling back, and we keep educating the consumer, and um, you know, putting regulations in industries where we can that ultimately protects the dogs. Um, and I'll tell you, Julie, my phone's been ringing off the hook with average consumers from all across the country since mm-hmm. the story came out. So. We're not done yet. We're going to peel back some more. Oh, yeah. Time, but I'm not done yet. Yeah, for sure. Um, anything surprise you about the response to this? I think that for me, the honestly, after what it took to put this story together, it, this was 18 months, maybe a little more of research. It was months and months of editing, legal editing. You know, this story went through so many permutations, I can't even begin to describe to people how hard it is to do something like this in the way that the Washington Post team helped me to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the biggest surprise is that people are sticking with it. You know, we live in this age of everything's got to be a sound bite. If it's not 180 characters on Twitter or you see it flashing across the screen on the CNN crawl, people just don't even pay attention. People are actually reading this story, and they're sticking with it all the way to the end. And that tells me that America cares. America cares about the dogs, and they're trying to understand what's going on. And I take that as a really hopeful thing that I'm surprised by. You know, I, I think it's a wonderful thing, and it, and it speaks a lot in part to things like the Washington Post photo team and video team and graphics team. And we, we, we worked really hard to package this up in a way that it wouldn't overwhelm people too much. Mm-hmm. But... It's also the subject matter. You know, people want to know what we're talking about here today. They want to understand where their money's going when they go to get a dog. And hopefully this helps shine a light on some of the areas people didn't realize that the dollars were ending up. Well, that's really, I think, you know, important feedback and uh, inspiring and reassuring to me where we are often talking about how the, you know, people's attention span these days and, you know, if it's you've got like just a few seconds to grab someone's attention and then you've got maybe, you know, a very short period of time to hold their attention. And I think, um, you know, now more than ever, we need to focus and get informed and uh, be present and, you know, stay with some things that are that are really important in all sorts of different contexts in the world. And so it's really awesome to hear that, you know, people are. People are with this and sticking with it, and that's great as we look to what this story holds in the future and what else will come of this and what else will be discovered. Yeah, and I and again, I give a lot of credit to the Washington Post. I mean, you haven't lived, believe me, until everybody who subscribes to the Washington Post across the country gets a news alert on their smartphone about your article. <laughs> 
you wouldn't believe how out of the woodwork people come and how people are actually paying attention if you write the headlines the right way. They, they, they care. They're interested. They want to come and see what's going on. And Again, I think that's only good for the dogs. I think more information is only ever good for the dogs. Well, it's kind of tapping into a, a, a similar connection that is making is why it's so easy to get donations for dog rescue is people's how important dogs are to us. And, you know, our dogs are our family members. I hate to think of them as a product and and, and just a, in, in a, a product in a consumer market. But to understand that is how they are moved and that's how they end up in your home, whether it be through a rescue or a breeder. Oftentimes it is really about where does the money come from? Where does the money go? And we have to understand that really clearly in order to make the best choices to protect the dogs. Yeah, you know, I, I remember saying that a lot when I was promoting the Dog Merchants book, which was a very much a follow-the-money book as well. Mm-hmm. I remember having to go on all the radio shows and say, my dogs sleep in my bed at night. You know, they right. have health insurance that's better than my health insurance. Right. And so people would understand. Yeah. I actually do love my dogs as if they're my children. Right. They're, they're my family members. They're sitting right here next to me, my two adopted shelter mutts. One of them's sitting in a dog bed, and the other one's laying on the couch. You yeah. know, they're, they couldn't be happier or more comfortable, but I find that if you actually want to understand how to help the dogs that are coming through the system and to the public for marketing for adoption or for sale, you have to think of them as products. You have to think of them as widgets because that's the only way to really understand the system. Yeah. Kim, thank you so much for your time today for the article and for the dog merchants. Read the book, please. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.